This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend John, and I am Chris. We are your co-hosts for the day. John, how are you doing? Chris, I'm doing good. And real quick, I do want to do a little shout-out. So I've noticed that our numbers are spiking outside of the U.S. Yeah! Yeah, so whoever is listening to us consistently in Ireland, shout out to you. Way to go. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Or if your robot's doing it, too. Thank you, too. Don't destroy us when, you know, Terminator happens. I don't know. These are pretty consistent robots, then. So I appreciate (laughs) the consistency. John Connor, your parents are dead. That's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, how about you, Chris? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and that that lifts my spirits. Uh, but I uh, today I've got an interesting topic for you, and I think it's something that we can all relate to. So, and uh, for you and I, we've gone through this uh, in a few back and forths. We've mentioned this topic, but today, John, we are talking about expectations. Uh oh, are we going to subvert them in some way? Oh. Oh, you know it, baby. No, um, we're, we're, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about movie expectations and then we'll kind of, uh, dive into other subjects. But, uh, I wanted to talk and I'll lead it off about, you know, the, I want, I want to talk about the first movie that your expectations were crushed, you know, uh, and, and for me, that kind of goes back to like, uh, I want you to think John about a movie that you were excited to see you and your friends were excited to see and i really want to preface that something as an adult because as a kid you know you could see anything and you get excited for as a kid like cartoons that make no sense are exciting i I think in the context of even being in high school there are certain things i was excited for but then i was just like you know i was like oh that was cool that was nice and i i think as a high schooler there were sometimes like when it came to Harry Potter, but like, oh, I liked it, but I, I had no expectations about it anyways. I was excited. It was like, I never read the books, but I was like, hey, this is cool. This is what I'm going to see. It's something to do. But as an adult, when you're engaged in so much great media, it Hollywood jumps from different places to different places, and there are artists, there are directors where their name is branded with something, and it's either... 50 50 it depends who's producing it maybe it's the studio because christopher nolan his stuff is always good mm-hmm. and i wanted to talk about the movie where my expectations were crushed in a bad way and that is man of steel a movie that christopher nolan did not direct but he did produce yeah and oh man I was so excited to see this with friends. It was college. Where is it was cool. It's Man of Steel. We see the trailer. The music's really good. It's got Hans Zimmer, and this is the DC's like, hey, we're doing this moment. And I had seen Batman or not Batman. I had seen Superman Returns, uh, you know, years before, and I saw it with my grandfather, and I, I saw it in a different country too. Uh, but it was a kind of it was an activity to do together. I really enjoyed it. I don't know everything about Superman. It's not one of those big things, but it is an icon. Everyone knows who who Superman is in the United States, and I would say even abroad. You know, it's Superman. 
and it's a huge comic, but I saw that movie. I really enjoyed it. I didn't really think critically of it because I was still just a kid. But watching Man of Steel and some of the decisions I saw, it it was different. It was the the writing made no sense. It felt like a telenovela or a soap opera, but with action sequences and things that were overblown, things that weren't taken into context, things that made no sense. Uh, Henry Cavill tried his best, but what he was given was awful. You have such... You have Detective Stabler from from SVU, from Law and Order, who's, who's a commander. You have Henry Cavill. You have Amy Adams as Lois. You have... Uh, oh, man, I forget his name. Lawrence... Not Lawrence... Is it Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne is... Yeah, he's he's in the movie for as the editor for the Daily Bu- the wait a minute Daily Bugle right Planet Planet Oh Bugle is a uh, Spider Man <laughs> Yeah See yeah. it shows you how much I know You have uh, Russell Crowe in the movie You uh, it was just such an insane cast to be put in a in a Superman movie. And for me, just the story beats and the way it's shot, the action is amazing. I think Zack Snyder is probably one of the best action directors when it comes to visuals. There are a lot of other directors who are really great in the action sequences on a technical standpoint. But for Zack Snyder, he thinks on a grand scale, which I think is better than than the the blow everything up type of style of Michael Bay. Because everything's mm-hmm. in slow mo and it's not really taken in a great context. I think Zack Snyder has that is his his mo is his is his action sequences and I just that was the only part of the movie I really liked. Nothing m- was believable, and for a Superman movie where he's supposed to be an interpretation of good, this and he's supposed to be more he 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 doesn't make mistakes and. This movie was so weird where it's not Superman that's an issue. It's everything around him that contributes to Superman that's a problem. And I felt devastated after this movie. The score is amazing. It's just, yeah. So tell me what your thoughts about that is. So just real quick before you talk about the score. So let me ask you this. So do you feel like you were... You came in with expectations because of uh, uh, the Brandon Routh Superman and that whole aesthetic and idea, or do you truly feel like on its own it just failed as a Superman movie? I think for me it was seeing who was the executive producer, actually. I saw Christopher Nolan's name as executive producer, and he's not directing it, granted, but with the movies that he's done and Warner Brothers being behind this now, he had, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, like Christopher Nolan has done movies with, what is it, Universal and Paramount or just Universal? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. But he did WB with Batman, I know that, uh, yeah. for directing it. So that's where their ties come, but for things like The Prestige and Inception, that might be something to look up. Uh, and I, I don't have it on me, which is my fault, but... I think it's I think it's the expectation of like this is a director who puts out good stuff. Like his shit is good. This is Christopher freaking Nolan as executive producer and at that time I wasn't really I didn't really understand like it's mostly a director thing. 
you know, there are producers who kind of bring it together from a standpoint of like finances. I didn't, I didn't really think much of directors and it's always director. He's executive producer. I thought, you know, we'd still get the style and said it's Zack Snyder. And I know we've talked about Zack Snyder a lot to the past couple of weeks, but as a movie itself and what I expected, I expected something that was going to blow my mind with Superman, not to have a crazy, not so much that I have a crazy plot, but for it to be a thrill ride that I want more from. And it fell so flat for me and i was devastated and from that point like movies for me i had to look at a critical eye and it kind of changed my perspective on on advertisements and trailers and who's on the project who's the studio this is kind of what got me into like you know when disney took star wars i was so excited and they said that they were getting the person who did star trek and you know, it comes to the thing that J.J. Abrams, I didn't know much about him, but I saw Star Trek and not being a Trekkie fan, I loved it. But Trekkie fans aren't really big fans of J.J. and what he did with the Kelvin universe or, you know, who who wrote for those movies. And at the same time, it just that was the aesthetic. And when Force uh, The Force Awakens came out, I was, I was really happy. And then everything else happened, and I was not happy. And so my, I became more critical of expectations after Man of Steel with some of the movies I saw. And um, one movie I had no expectations for, but I thought when I saw the trailer, like, come on, everyone get together, kumbaya, and let's go see this movie. Guardians of the Galaxy, John. Yeah. And I remember so many people were not thrilled for that, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, all right, this is a really well-put-together trailer by marvel and everyone else is like i don't know it's weird and you know you do research on guardians of the galaxy i'm like this is a really cool story if they can make captain america cool and even though his name is america like he's like the goody two-shoes kind of person this is gonna be dope with the actors and screenwriters and it's because i saw the trailer and i was it just felt something different and my expectations even though i was excited for the movie but i didn't have high hopes that my expectations were blown away. But John, I, I've been talking a lot. I've been rambling. I want to know <laughs> what what was the first movie that kind of crushed your expectations? Well, look, I mean, like I don't know about the first movie because um, I, I feel like for a long time I I wasn't very critical of what I had seen. I was just going to the movies that I thought would be fun and didn't really take like a like a deeper look into them. Um, but I, I think after the MCU started, um, I started kind of raising my expectations for what a movie should be and like how the storytelling should go and um, kind of the, like just my overall thought process for watching films changed a bit. Um, but I, I think the biggest one that sticks out in my mind, um, at least in recent memory, was uh, Alien Covenant, where you had the first kind of not really a reboot, but like a, a deeper look into this alien franchise and Prometheus, which was beautifully shot, looks incredible. It opened up a new avenue uh, and like the beginning part of this, this uh, journey into how it becomes uh, like the alien franchise, um, giving it new depth and meaning. And I thought Prometheus was really interesting as a movie. Um, and then alien covenant, 
the trailer dropped for it, I remember feeling like, man, we're expanding on this universe. We're going to go deeper into the lore. It's going to be more interesting. We see a Xenomorph at the end of it, so we know we're finally getting somewhere with all this. And it really just missed the mark for me because it, it felt like Ridley Scott was taking all the things that he found interesting, which were really odd and strange. Um, and granted, like Michael Fassbender was an or is an incredible actor and the things that he was able to do kind of playing against himself I felt like were interesting but the extreme focus on his character I felt like kind of took away from what everyone else as an audience was expecting from a movie because like you when you go see an alien movie you go see you go to see like the horror aspect in the xenomorphs and um like you go to be scared essentially and to see a bit of like that side of it all you don't go to see a man teaching himself how to play the flute and (laughs) there was just such a long drawn out focus on things that didn't really seem like relevant to the story um that it there were (laughs) there were almost too few studio notes this was almost like a george lucas prequels where like he had way too much control and he probably should have been uh fact-checked a couple times as far as like what audiences really want to see and i i don't know like i love i love the aesthetic of what prometheus set up and i love the way that the movie is shot and the cinematography behind it um and like the scope and the it it's obviously set in alien worlds but it feels very grounded and realistic in just the like the tangibility of it all feels very real um but this just really took a hard left in what I what I thought the franchise was going in. And it just, I don't know, man, like it, it took me out of it and I couldn't really get invested in this movie. And even the parts that should have been really interesting, I felt like lost the momentum for me because of everything else before it. And just as, I don't know, man, like I think that, I think that movie was a franchise killer because they've been talking about doing a sequel to that for a while. And I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon um at least without drastically changing direction and scope and writing and everything did you Um, did you see this movie in theaters you know i did not because i i initially saw a lot of negative reviews for it so i'm like well i mean this was kind of one of those situations where i thought well maybe i'll just go and see it when it comes out on Redbox because if if everybody's hating on it so hard i don't know if i really want to spend 20 bucks to go see a movie like this so i waited i saw it in the comfort of my own home and it just and like i get that that kind of lacks that immersiveness that theaters can give you which can sometimes benefit a movie and change your experience but i don't i don't think even being so in, immersed in that kind of movie, I don't think that would have helped at all. Oh, yikes. Yuck. Ugh. Well, have I, you ever seen that movie? So, come on, John. You know me. I don't like horror. Um, <laughs> I do. I did, there is one alien movie that I did watch, and it was Prometheus, since you mentioned it. And I really enjoyed that movie for its visuals, and you, you touched up on that. And, you know, when you're bringing these things in, obviously... I don't know. I can only speculate. But the cast is so... The cast for Prometheus... You get Charlize Theron. You get... uh, You've got Michael Fassbender. And I forget the... Oh, man. I forget her name. It's like Mila something. Uh, the, 
the the protagonist who you're watching and i believe isn't uh oh my gosh isn't idris elba also in prometheus yes he's one of the soldiers like you have a great cast and i think for prometheus you have michael fassbender's character that is kind of like a commentary on what's going on and i found that to be interesting but it wasn't about him he was you just he had a different perspective and it was something to bounce off what the other characters were feeling because he's a cyborg uh and i I, the way you describe alien covenant is like hey the best part of prometheus was michael fassbender let's do a story about michael fassbender and if you're making a horror it doesn't seem to make any sense but once again i never saw the movie i can only speculate but that's one thing i hate (laughs) that's i'm so surprised for something like that to happen with the movie with with uh, the alien u- universe, but then again, what what do I expect when they make movies like Alien versus Predator? I'd never seen Alien One, Alien Aliens, whatever it is, but I've seen the movies that people hate. I've seen Alien versus Predator, and I've seen Prometheus, or I've seen Prometheus, which is lukewarm, I think, from the fan base. Yeah, it's it's better. I I think it was an optimistic start to a um like a prequel series. Yeah, it, it may be modernized, but, you know, let's pivot to something like I wanted to talk to you about a movie you had no expectations for and it blew you away. And so I'm going to let you think about this while I rant and rave about <laughs> this movie. It, it's and it, it kind of takes me aback to think that I saw this in college and I think I saw it after seeing Man of Steel. Like, I think it was ar- around the same the same year same couple years once again not prepared that's how this show goes it's off the cuff but it was tom cruise starring in the movie oblivion mm-hmm. and it just looked visually interesting like apocalyptic but also a cool aesthetic have you seen oblivion do you know what the movie i'm describing is yeah yeah absolutely and um oh my gosh yeah the aesthetic of it all the um the new technology that they introduced to it all with ilm and how they rather than like set up a green screen for everything this was like the first big example of where they put these giant um giant screens basically around the set so the the cast could see what's going on around them in real time and react to it and the lighting would would affect them so they wouldn't basically just it made everything so much more immersive for the for the cast which gave them better performances because they really felt like they were in these situations yeah it, you go to that and that makes sense because i don't know much about the production of this movie and you know ilm always killing it these the movie is stunningly beautiful it is oh yeah it is a it is a gorgeous movie to look at and i believe it came out in ooh, i want to say 2013 2014 um actually it would have then that in that case it's way after man of steel which i think came out in either 2012 oblivion was 2013 2013 oh maybe it's around the same time but the movie the way it is shot i just i was like it's a tom cruise movie my favorite tom cruise tom cruise movie is the last samurai and i know some people are gonna be like hey that's like whitewashing 101 and there's context to it but you know Tom Cruise's The Last Samurai is terrible, but I still really like the movie. I understand the hate around it, and I'm not going to defend it, but I do enjoy that movie. But Tom Cruise, in this movie, the cast, 
like you have Morgan Freeman in there. You have uh, Nikolai Wardo from or Waldorf. I I don't know how to say his name, but from Game of Thrones uh, as Jamie. He is also in this movie, and uh, oh no, Kurlinko. I forget her first name. I'm just gonna let you. Olga Kurlinko. Olga Kurlinko okay. is is uh, acts alongside uh, Tom Cruise, and the story. Well, you know, visuals aside, visuals are great. The story is also... I, I had friends who were like, oh, I predicted this was going to happen. But it was something that was enjoyable. It, it didn't it didn't have to teach you anything grand. The story was about human survival. It was about sacrifice. And it was a little bit of like... A little bit of a happy ending, too. Well, it was a happy ending, but... There, there is a there is a plot twist. Actually, there's two plot twists in it. Uh, but you know, it's not really a movie that makes you think. It's a movie that gets you thrilled, and I enjoyed that movie. And also, the music, the music by M83, so good. The soundtrack had some bangers, dude. And I remember listening to that sound. I bought the soundtrack uh, when iTunes was when you bought soundtracks. I still have it on my old, old iPhone that I keep in my car to listen to music. And if I'm <laughs> listening to something on... on when I'm, I listen to it on Shuffle now to make the car rides a little bit more interesting. I have, like, soundtrack musics from... Uh, soundtrack music from intense movies, playful movies, you know, cart, whether it be, like, an animated movie like, uh, like Kung Fu Panda or whether it be something like Oblivion, Star Wars... Uh, I know there's like the famous song from Schindler's List. It's so powerful and sad. There's Saving Private Ryan. There's a lot of good stuff on there. At least I think it's good. It could be lame as shit to anybody listening. But <laughs> when I listen to the Oblivion soundtrack in my car, I'm blown away by the sound I'm hearing. I'm blown away. And like it makes me want to drive so fast. And like my like my car is that vehicle, that flying machine, that that ship that tom cruise flies in and has maneuverability it's amazing and I, and that movie crushed expectations for me that was such a cool movie to see and yeah that that that's for me that was an eye-opening of like oh oh fuck this movie is good <laughs> <laughs> I, and i i wish more people saw it but i i don't think a lot of people saw it i don't it's not like it wasn't a blockbuster but it was a great it was better than I think the the other movie that came out a couple years later where it's like Tom Cruise dies and then comes back, dies and then comes back. It's kind of like a where who's in like yeah. this war. And I think they changed the name of it, too. It went from, yeah, it was originally called Edge of Tomorrow and then they tried to mark. No, Edge, it of, as... Edge of Tomorrow was the first one. And, well, yeah, then, yeah, and then originally it was it. Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. You have it backwards. Yeah, so it was Edge of Tomorrow, and then they remarketed it as uh, Live, Die, Repeat because they felt like that was a better representation of like what the movie was about. Oh! But then it just confused people, and no one really knew what it was. See, I'm confused. But uh, Wait, but that get, that gives it away, though. <laughs> Live, Die, Repeat. Like, it's kind of... Well, they, they told you what it was about in the trailer. They do, but like when people hear Groundhog Day... You know, if you don't know anything about Groundhog Day, you're not going to know that it's about a dude. It's just the name alone. You're not going to know that the dude is stuck on Groundhog Day in its own mini universe and he can't escape it. Well, yeah, 
but you, I, don't, I don't know that that was the goal. I think I think they wanted that part of the story to be part of the marketing. I think they wanted that to be the draw of it, like of of like the nostalgia part of um, calling back to Groundhog Day. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going into a rabbit uh, rabbit hole, and that's kind of my fault. Bring up Groundhog Day, <laughs> which great movie. Um, and then I I think there's a movie that uh, Andy Samberg is making right now that's kind of the same thing. So that I've been seeing Ooh. commercials for on Hulu. But anyways, John, tell me about a movie that exceeded your expectations. Well, I don't know how cheesy this is going to sound, but um, the first one that came to my mind was uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Ooh, good um, choice. And like I, I've always been a fan of like that, um, that type of animation. Um, I don't know why. It's just like it was just a big part of my childhood and um like watching what they can do with it creatively and visually has always been really interesting to me but like it was a it was a brand new concept that i had no kind of like preconceived notions of it wasn't based off of anything besides like norse culture um and so it's it's interesting to me first of all to have such an original ip like that and so that's that's even somewhat of a draw for me personally is is just seeing a creative, unique idea that isn't based off of anything else. Um, but then I, I thought it would be a fun movie, but then towards the end, I mean, like this has been out for 20 years, so I don't feel like that not it's, 20, it's 10 years. Been out for like, it's been out for like what? Eight, not, or no. is it eight or nine years? It was, it was 2010. So it's been out for 10 years now. Wow. Um, so at, the, at the, the moment at the end where they have that giant fight scene and, um, uh, they they sorry toothless and um and oh my gosh Tooth- what am i hiccup. hiccup yeah sorry i thought that was wrong at first but toothless and hiccup fall to the ground and uh hiccup loses his leg and he be, he it's like this mirror story with him and toothless and like that that moment like gut-wrenching moment where you realize that like this is a kid's movie and something major just happened to one of the main characters he could like, be dead even the he even could, the dad is like my son like they think he's dead that's the thing and like for a mo- any any kind of movie to have real stakes and real emotional payoffs like that just automatically turns it up to 11 for me because i feel like so often a movie will bring you to the brink of emotional payoff and then just immediately dial it back because they don't trust the audience enough to handle it well and and they don't treat them like adults um like the rise of skywalker is a big one for me that's a, a, a an example of that where they have these big setups for emotional payoffs as like this series finale to this 30 year series here and no not 30 wow 40 um i'm getting depressed already because i know <laughs> where you're going no and 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 they just it felt like they pulled the rug out from underneath you and didn't let you fully experience the emotional payoff that they wanted to set up but a movie like this where there's no real there's no real like preconceived notions that anybody has walking into it you don't expect like an oscar winning movie from a pixar film like this uh, or dreamworks dreamworks sorry um, which this movie was like a flagship for dreamworks after they like with kung fu panda was also a great movie they made and then they came out with this which i think how to train your dragon did better than that this is a golden this is in a golden age of dreamworks pictures uh post trek 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it it was a great cast, great performances. It it was funny, it was genuine. There were it was a I mean it was obviously a kids movie, but there were um it was just as much for adults as it was for kids. And it didn't it didn't feel like they were talking down to anyone. It felt like they were treating its viewers responsibly and and not belittling them in how they thought that the film would be perceived. Um, and I really appreciate that in like with Ava- Avatar is another great example of how this does it right, where it's it's obviously a kid's show, but even as adults, you and I go back and rewatch it, and there is just as much, if not more, emotional depth that we find in it because it grows with its audience where you you you're able to dig deeper into it and appreciate it more the more that you are able to perceive and the more you know to look for um and the and for how to train your dragon like the score was incredible it it added to the story rather than distract from it um it helped the emotional um like atmosphere to everything it helped the stakes it fed into the movie and it didn't like i said like it didn't distract from anything because i feel like a lot of times and i'm starting to feel this way about some of the john williams music it it's really flashy for the sake of flash and i think that sometimes the most effective scores are the can be the most simple to where it it just creates the emotion and lets the movie do the talking and it's not meant to take away from that at all or be the primary focus in anything. Um, so yeah, man, like this, obviously it was a, a franchise starter, and I think it exceeded everybody's expectations walking into the theater. Um, so that's probably the biggest example that I can think of off the top of my head. No, it's it's a great example, and it's actually, you know, I think it's funny you mention that, because I, I was watching um, a breakdown of DreamWorks and the stuff they were putting out and how the studio the studio's goal in the beginning really changed uh after the failure of i think it was uh the el dorado Mm -hmm. and how they really which is stunningly beautiful for 2d animation but it failed because like pixar is putting out 3d stuff and shrek as 3d was way better and was doing better uh with kid audiences and the way they're made um but i I, you know the way it crushes expectations is familiar for me when it comes to oblivion with tom cruise that movie is just it's kind of a breath of fresh air um because we kind of get a lot in hollywood you know like oh we're gonna make a bunch of pirate movies or we're gonna do a bunch of you know history movies you know you talk about the movie troy with uh brad pitt and then what comes out later you've got movies like gladiator or maybe gladiator was before you've got gladiator and then you get kingdom of heaven with orlando bloom like and you get robin hood and all these period historical pieces start coming out and it's just like okay thanks for the flavor we're done with it and then you've got pirates of the caribbean pirates of the caribbean 2 pirates of the caribbean 3 and even though even though like there's not a lot of movies outside of the pirate genre. Like it transcends uh, different medias. You're like, oh, everyone's into pirates now. Let's do a pirate show or whatever. You know, you see these things. For a movie like How to Train Your Dragon to come out in 2010, uh, is 
it's different. It's a nice flavor. And I think the same thing for me with Oblivion where, you know, they're talking about superhero movies and all this stuff. And I just see this movie about a a post-apocalyptic world that is stunningly beautiful. Uh, Everything is advanced. They have technology. There's a clone part of it. There's a plot twist. Uh, Olga Kurlenko is like a key to bringing someone's like amnesia back. And there's this evil robot controlling. It's just wild. It's something that is a different flavor than what I had seen at the time. And that's what's crushing expectations is, is really like saying, this is something I didn't know I was going to experience, but I love it. And that kind of pushes in me to this next topic that I kind of want to get more free flowing with you and get your thoughts about expectations in life, John. Um, I, I was thinking about it. Uh, in the shower as you should have shower thoughts everyone they're good it's okay it's fine everyone has them but it was a shower thought when I was thinking about expectations and how we have such high expectations um, and, and specifically talking um, I know internationally everyone has different expectations depending on your culture uh, your surroundings the way you're raised you know expectations are are different everywhere um, but expectations, I think, for the younger people in the country here in the United States, expectations for people who are living at the poverty line or just below or just above, anywhere near it. Um, and I want to get your thought on it because I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to be some billionaire or some millionaire like come up with the next big idea and i'm curious now that we're getting older um you know we've i think you know i can admit i've made a lot of mistakes uh and i'm only 27 and i could have i I did not forget my age john um (laughs) but i was kind of putting together my thoughts i i have made mistakes that have affected my life like my income i could i would say like my what i could make and I'm, i'm getting back to that um, in my personal life, but I, I think there is a crazy pressure for people to be the next Bill Gates, and I'm I'm curious to see what your thought about what is what do you think that's doing to uh, society and youths? I mean, do you I, find I, it to be unrealistic, or do you think it's necessary? Well, okay, so <laughs> we're gonna get all right. Let's let's go down this trail. So. I, I think as I've gotten older, I've become less of um, a proponent for capitalism because that I feel like sets unrealistic expectations, whether it be for someone's um, efficiency or um, the, yeah, like your, your, your annual worth, like how much you're bringing to the table and not, I think it, it puts the focus on your monetary value and less on your personal value. Um, and so mm. the culture around us is telling us you will only be successful if you make X amount of money because then you can buy happiness and you can buy these things that will bring people into your life and give you a more fulfilled life. Um, but I think the older I get, the more I realize um, that it's not like money does give you more opportunity. Yes, obviously. Um, and it can, if you use it wisely, it can, uh, it can make or provide you things, provide you with things that make you happier 
if you use it in a specific way and it's not about the money itself it's about the experience and the memories um but okay so like i came i i worked for six years in a in the grocery industry and um and thought that i had a long-term future in that career path and wanted to move up get into management um wanted to pursue that type of career and the more I, I I followed that path, the more I realized that I was giving more of my time and energy to this machine that did not care about me as a person. They only cared about me as a cog in the wheel or a cog in the in the machine that was this um, this company. And I was giving less of my time and energy to my family and the people that I loved and cared about. And I was missing opportunities with them. I was giving away these memories that I was I could have been making with them. Um, and even if I had, like years down the road, been able to retire and have enough money to be comfortable for the rest of my life, and um, uh, had I don't know like awards or accolades or whatever success through this company to a degree. Um, I would I would have looked back and realized that I had given up 40 years of my life to something that will forget about me the moment I leave it. <laughs> and it it's it's a harsh reality to wake up and realize that. Um but I I left it after 6 years and um and and finally on the same schedule as like the rest of my family. Um and even just even just that slight change of of having the same time off as the people around you gives you so much more freedom to just sit and live in the moment with someone. Um, and when you, when you reprioritize and, and take the expectations off of, um, your, I mean, like you want to do it responsibly. Like you don't want to just throw away everything you have to sit around and talk to people. Like you want to, you want to use your time wisely. Um, and you want to have goals and it's important to think about your future and um, be the best that you can be and grow continuously. And I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But if you can do all of that while also figuring out what's important in your own life based off of your expectations and not um, not the standards set by um, Wall Street or the the people around you even your parents to a degree, even your own family. I think sometimes people need to charge and um, make their own path in life. And sometimes that's different than what your foundation is. Sometimes it's different than the people around you. But if you find what is most personally gratifying to you and you can pursue it while positively contributing to the society around you, I think it's one of the most liberating things you can do. And much more fulfilling than um being capitalistic and focusing on having a couple extra bucks at the end of the day um so for me just this idea of expectations put on you by society i always just think about like i said like i just think about capitalism and the amount of pressure that it puts on young people that are still impressionable um, and honestly, like when you're 18 and you're first getting into the world as a quote unquote adult, like you have no idea what you want to do with your life. There's no way that you can I would agree map, with that. <laughs> there's no way that you can map out the next 60, 70 years of your life when you just left high school. Um, 
So I, this idea, I, I think this is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this idea that you have to go into college knowing exactly what you want to do and commit thousands and thousands of dollars into a university that may or may not provide you the opportunities you want to be provided with five years down the road. Um, I think it's, I think it's a gamble for a lot of people and some of the best and smartest people I know have had a, a career change because they realized through their own experiences, like they didn't want to do what they went to school for. Um, and I don't, I don't know, man, like I, we, I'm starting Thank to you for up. throwing me in that category. I appreciate <laughs> it. No, I'm just kidding. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, I, I assume you're talking about people who actually graduated. <gasps> <laughs> That's neither of us. Oh um, no! <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know, man. Like it, it, that's it, a, it's a whole uh, rabbit trail for another time. Well, but. I think I think like when talking about you know what you bring up with that, you don't have to be, you know, think about expectations you want for yourself versus what other people have for you. I think that's really important because I remember talking with a friend about um, about expectations, and you know they were sad with where they were, and they said over the past couple of weeks I've. You just I've listened to podcasts and books or I've read books, I've been reading articles about living a normal life and defining what that is. And you know, if if you make thirty thousand a year, you make thirty thousand a year. If you make forty thousand a year, you make forty thousand a year. Obviously it's different anywhere you live in the world, what that is, but if you live like super modest, even like you know, close to the poverty line, the the point of the thing was just like if you like what you're doing and you're able to find the time to do the things that you care or like you enjoy, what's so wrong with that? Why do we have the society that shames that, you know, for here in the United States, like, you know, the poverty line is 12,000 a year. And there are people, there are jobs. If you go on like recruiting sites, there's just like, Oh, your pay is, 25,000 your pay is 30,000 people barely get by on that with all the bills they have car insurance rent uh and whatever else you have going on your life food your phone bill electricity you got to pay for your utility water you know trash for some places and your phone bill too like our television these are so many things that stack up but like people do it and I think there's a problem that you're shamed for it. And I remember watching a show on YouTube. It's the it's the BuzzFeed show where these guys go and eat food. Like it's called Worth It, where they try different foods at different price points. They went to Japan for some ramen, and they went to this place where the dude is serving like three dollar ramen. And the guy said, you know, he wanted a motorcycle, and after high school was done he kept the job that he's working at at this ramen shop that he's still working at and was able to save enough money to buy his motorcycle and but like you 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 wouldn't think that in the united states that doesn't happen at least our expectations in our society and i'd say similar to probably maybe some of europe as well you know because they're kind of capitalistic societies as well um, i know there's more socials but when i think about japan here's this guy who's who makes noodles in, in, in a hole-in-the-wall kind of place. He makes noodles, and he seems so happy-go-lucky. You know, he was able to get his motorcycle. He saved up for it. He loves it. And, you know, they're joking with him, but it's it's that idea that, like, there's nothing wrong with having these 
lower income jobs. There's nothing wrong with having these expectations. You don't have to be Bill Gates. Um, and I think that shaming of people who live near the poverty line or people who maybe not even near the poverty line you're not in the middle class you make forty thousand fifty thousand dollars a year and people still think it's not enough money i had a friend i'm not gonna say who he is but he's just like you know everyone wants to hang out after work and i'm just like guys i don't make that much money and i feel bad for him you know and i feel bad for my friend but it's one of those things where i want to tell my friend like that you know you don't measure yourself to how much money you have and at the same time like if people want to go out and go for drinks you know don't think of it like i can't go because i don't have money just think of it hey i've got more important things to do or you know i just can't do that but i'm i'm gonna find something else to do i don't want people to be shamed into thinking that they have to have everything in the world and that's why yeah. i want to bring up this conversation because i feel like in this time and with covid and all this stuff but i'm sure this is going through people's minds and expectations of where you want to be there's nothing wrong with it people make mistakes or get over those mistakes you know that's in the past think about the future you matter and you know everything like the the wheel the wheel the wheel's going to continue no matter what and we need people to be librarians we need people to be chefs we need people to be servers we need people to work at a counter somewhere and there's should be nothing wrong with wrong with that no and and so i want to share a, a story about something that my um my grandpa told me when i was when i was younger and about to leave high school and i, I want to preface it by saying like i love I love my grandpa i love what he has done for me and my family and um i in no way mean for this to sound like negative towards him specifically i think it's just his own personal perspective and lack of understanding about something. But um, I remember when I was 16 or 17, uh, my grandpa took me out and we went driving uh, locally, just kind of around where, where we lived. Um, and at first we drove through this really um, like fancy neighborhood, like a lot of expensive houses, a lot of big yards, uh, a lot of, obviously like a lot of people were wealthy in this place. And he asked me, like, what do you think, um, who do you think lives here? And, like, what do you think that they do? Or, like, what do you think that they've done with their life? And I listed off some stuff that I thought mattered at the time. And um, he, then he took me just a little ways down the road to a trailer park. And he asked me, well, he asked me the same kind of questions about who I thought lived here and what I thought they did. And I kind of just nodded along and gave him the feedback that a 16 year old kid would. And, um, he, he asked me like, if like, what would you like, where do you want to live? Where, what kind of future do you want to have? And how are you going to make that happen? And for a kid, like, like for like a kid that like that, I think that that gives you the wrong idea of it's an either or, and you entirely always have a choice in what you do with your future and how, you like the results that you get from your actions um and i think where he didn't have a full understanding was that you could you could end up in a mansion after winning the lottery and then the next week lose it all or you could have everything in your life whether it be emotional or monetary fulfillment and something could happen completely out of your own control and you could you could just end up basically in the in the only place that you can afford or 
that could be where you choose to live. Um, I think there's a stigma associated with the perspective that people have looking from the outside into your life. And it shouldn't matter what things you have or where you fall on the socioeconomic scale, because some of the you could you could be the most famous rich person in the world and have no real fulfillment in your life. You could be completely unhappy and you could you could have next to nothing and, and live out on the street and f- still feel so content with your life and still be happy with who you are and what you feel like you're contributing to the people around you with. Um, and just this idea of you have to buy things in order to be successful, I think is a mistake, especially having been raised by people who went through the eighties in this era of excess. I think that it, for a lot of people, it got into their heads. You have to get things in order to be happy and be successful. And then they pass that on to their kids who are our age now, who grew up from that. And I I think that we're having kind of like a reawakening of what's important in life um, with people nowadays. And it's encouraging to see that like a lot of kids are pushing back on that idea on social media and uh, in public and, and just saying like, no, what's really important is that we go buy a tiny house and we just travel around the world or travel around <laughs> the country because we just want to spend time with each other and in nature and that that's what matters to us, not owning a 50,000 or 50,000 square foot house. Like we're, we're happy with living in a trailer and really focusing on what we find is important. So that it's so encouraging for me to see that and see that despite what a lot of us have been taught and raised with, that we are questioning that ourselves and saying that isn't what i choose what i choose is my own personal happiness and the happiness of those that i love and care about and that's what i'm going to go with yeah hit right in the nose people people going in tiny houses and moving out to oregon no <laughs> which you know actually yes too and denver and all those places the tiny house fat i remember when that happened but you know i if I had to think about something I'd say to myself when I was younger, I'm just getting at it. Maybe I'm a senior in high school. Um, when I talk, when you talk about the future, like, you know, when it comes to like finances or what are you going to do with your life? I definitely say like, explore your options now, you know, because the only thing I heard when I was a kid was just like, you know, you're going to go to university and you're going to do engineering, you know, and I got into a good university, but at that, I just like didn't know what I was going to do. There were certain things I liked. I, I wasn't sure. Like there wasn't an exploring of like, Hey, people, you know, no one, no one gave me a survey. I know there's surveys here in the United States. There's tests that like kind of place you where you're going to, where you're going to go. It's, what is it called? The ASVAB? Uh, John, well, it's like an aptitude test. Yeah. Did you take that test as a senior? I believe or I did. Junior? Yeah. Yeah. What is what a stupid test. <laughs> I found it to be quite stupid because it's it's not like you're gonna you're gonna send out a test to every person in the United States and you'd be like, Hey, you know, these are some jobs based on your aptitude that you might be interested in. Where Yeah, like this is the box we're gonna put you in because everyone takes tests the same way everyone fits into the same mold <laughs> we're not all individuals it's yeah. exactly and i wish it could have been one of those things where it's like 
you know, I heard all the time, go to university, it's going to be expensive, but we'll figure it out, all this other stuff. And it's just, you know, I wish someone had said, like, you know, you can go to community college and then go to university, figure out, you know, what you want to do while not spending a lot of money. Uh, you know, think about what you want to do. And at that point, hit the ground running and go for it. Or no, or, you know, there are places where I know in Europe where it's like, it's not a foreign exchange program. It's not an abroad study where it costs like 11 or $12,000, maybe 20,000 just to go to this place for a month and take classes. It's like, no, your tuition for the year is like $1,400 and that's it. Or maybe mm. less. Maybe it's a maybe six hundred dollars for twelve credits at a university in Brit or abroad in the mm-hmm. EU or something like that. And you know, no one tells you those options. I feel like we're very rigid here, and just like you go to university first time you get in, you take your, you, you just you figured it out. Now you're in high school. You know what you're gonna do. You're gonna be some lawyer, whatever like that. And I see like that kids drop out of college, or once they're finished with their degree. They never do what they were setting out to. I feel like we never talk to people like, what do you like? And if someone's like, I like, you know, if someone's like, hey, I really like, um, I really like carpentry or I really like building things it's like, okay, do you like the engineering part of it? Do you like putting it together? Like, do you like the math side? What is it? And from there, you can have that conversation with people. And I feel like I never got that growing up and you know, this isn't like the time to be sad, but, you know, if that's the thing I'm going to tell people who are young, people in Gen Z who are trying to figure fix this world and stuff like that, I'd be like, hey, you don't have to fix the world. You don't have to be the next person who solves cancer. There's going to be somebody who does that. But, you know, explore your options. It doesn't, you don't have to follow the one track, you know? It, it, if you don't, if you have these expectations and you're scared, that's okay. You could still do it, but you're scared. But if you really don't want to do it, you know, people should be supportive and be like, hey, figure it out, go to community college or maybe go to uh, a trade school. You know, mm-hmm. what do you like? And I feel like often enough that decision is made for us than us making that decision. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I know that's something I would say to to younger people who just like are maybe going through the motions, don't know, just like, hey, you know, take the time now to figure it out. Have someone who's supportive and talk it through we often don't communicate john we don't communicate about that stuff because we're then assigned a value and nobody wants that no i i I think we're only really taught to ask questions once we've gone through like the track that we're supposed to be on that people tell us we're supposed to go on like you're supposed to go to high school you're supposed to graduate you're supposed to go to college you're supposed to graduate and then once you get into your life then you're an adult, you can start making your own decisions. But it's, I feel like that type of path shouldn't be prerequisite to like asking what's important to you and what you want to do. I I think you should, you should take some time and figure it out. Like, and I love the idea of, um, uh, of people in like Europe taking a gap year and just going out into the world and experiencing it and coming back and really having a better idea of who you are and what your interests are as an adult when you just take some time off and really focus on yourself and do it the right way. Um, I think that should catch on here in the States, but that's just me. No, I, you know, I agree. I agree with that. It's like, if you could take a year off, 
you know, go to some like jobs, maybe you, some low, like it's those low paying jobs and be like, shit, I don't like this. I'm going to work my ass off to get somewhere better. Or maybe you'll be like, what do I like? Or maybe you do like it. I don't know. And you find a capacity. What do you like about it? Do you like interacting with people? Do you like just getting stuff done? Maybe you'd be better in a data entry spot, you know? And I, I just, we don't explore that enough. And it's really sad here in the States <laughs> where that's the expectations. You go to university, you, you spend, what is it, 200? What's the average debt? What's the average debt per student in the United States, John? Oh, is God, it something I don't even want to stupid? think about it. Yeah, isn't it like uh, isn't it like fifty thousand or two hundred thousand dollars? It's got to be something like that per student, not per person. It's like yeah. per student. And it's like that's an insane number to spend on money, and then you not go to school for the thing you have your degree in. I feel like people who are older than us, and it's a change of the times. They go to school for the stuff that they got their degree in, and then maybe it changes, you know, and then they do something else. Like they're in the same boat as us, but to to push this narrative and i'm not saying it's the older generation's fault but i think it's that thing of like i don't know because i'm i wasn't born in the 50s i never lived through the 50s but it's like you compete with your neighbor to get the next best fridge now you're competing with your neighbor to see whose kid is smarter yeah who goes to a better university is like oh shit that's so sad (laughs) i i I remember oh my god this is such a humble brag but i thought it was funny my mom was like, you know, the the valedictorian of this high school that my my friend, their their son or their daughter was valedictorian and they didn't get into the school that you got into. And I'm in my head, I'm like, great, that makes me feel so much better. You know, woo, I got into the school, I'm, I'm real happy. And it's just like that's not what I wanted. But you can't express that to people because you get shamed. You yeah. should be grateful. You should be grateful you're smart or any something like that. It's just like. You know, the time that didn't matter to me. Maybe that's my my fault. I don't want to project here, but I'm just saying, you know, for anybody who's having those thoughts about like, man, I didn't live up to the success that my parents said or my community said, my rabbi said, my my priest said, you know, my uncle, you know, the president, whoever's talking down to you at the time, you know, don't worry about it. Keep naming names. It's okay. Keep 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 naming names. The Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson talking down to you, (laughs) Macron, maybe Justin Trudeau, Trump, Bolsonaro, whoever, I don't care. Maybe it's the Pope. Maybe the Pope's like, you're jerking off too much, you're not going to church enough, what's wrong with you, son? And you're just like, whoa, back off. Pope's getting real blunt there. Well, you know. Oh, speaking of blunts, you know, when they choose a pope, that white smoke that comes out? Mm, yep. Yep. We know what's up. We know what's up. They're all smoking something strong. The doobie. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. And, <laughs> I love it. It's something so stupid. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the expectation of people who are like, we drugs are bad. And then these, and then these same older people are like, yes, I get prescribed. Um, I get prescribed marijuana for the pain I'm having in my 50s. It's like, well, it's the devil's lettuce. How's your... Ex- I should ask them, what's the expectation? You know, what's... What was... Were their expectations exceeded? Were they disappointed? You know? But I mean, I'm being a little bit harsh here, but... What did you say? I said, but it's for my glaucoma. Oh, God. <laughs> Is it glaucoma? No, you don't take... You don't smoke for... They have those glaucoma pills, don't they? Or is it eye drops? No, it, yeah, you smoke for that. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Well, you and I both have bad vision, so... Yep. We have to work our way up to that, sir. <laughs> the, ne- the next podcast we do about expectations will be about us smoking what uh, the devil's lettuce and talking about. But we will do it legally. Mm. I don't. I don't know about uh, your state's thing on it, but I, I I need to get hurt real quick for that medicinal ticket. <laughs> oh boy, uh, this has been quite a podcast. I thank you, thank you, John, for exploring uh, the topic because you know I just thought about it. expectations man they're important they kick you in the butt to actually do something but at the same time i feel like it's it's it could be a very negative thing in this world you know yeah i mean you gotta you gotta have goals in life you gotta be going somewhere but you also have to be reasonable and accept that you know you're not you're not gonna get it right all the time sometimes you just gotta take a step back and really be like all right i'm gonna re reevaluate my focus here i'm gonna redirect my energy and we're going to go, we're going to go again and we're going to learn something. We're going to be better than we were before. I think that's what's important. And we didn't even touch the back end of the conversation for me, which was dating, like dating, like dating expectations. So I'll just hit it with a little tag. It's like, hey, have high expectations, have low expectations, set them. Don't feel shamed by your friends. Your friends are fucking wrong. They don't know what you want. Set those high expectations. Live alone for the rest of your life like me. It'll be fine. High expectations, everyone. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. John had high expectations and he got married, so good for John. I outshot my coverage and I'm a very lucky man. There we go. That's the way. Expectations in dating world, whatever. You know, low, high, be proud of it. There's nothing wrong. You're not crazy. That's the end of the day. And I think that's where we'll leave off. What do you do? You agree, John? Yeah. No, I, I think this. I think you opened the door to a, a much longer and much deeper conversation we might have down the down the road. Yeah, because of freaking Man of Steel. <laughs> God, it's a long, windy road from point A to point B, but it, we got here. It could have been so good. The music <laughs> was there. The action was there. The actors were there. That writing was so bad. Oh, Zach. Oh, man. I've got a a video I got to send you. I think you might enjoy. Oh, no. All right, everyone. We're going to get out of here so I can watch this video and hopefully not lose my mind. Uh, (laughs) We'll see you next week on the Summit Up podcast. John will be your host for next week, and we will see you then. Love you, Ireland. Bye, guys.